0: Hello listeners and welcome to the NK News Podcast. I'm your host Jacko Zwetslut. It's Friday morning on March 27th here in Seoul and joining me via Skype from Melbourne, Australia, a place I used to live, is my guest today, James Scullen. We're going to be talking about a new book that he has recently finished called Hotels in Pyongyang. Welcome James. Hi Jacko. James Cullen is a part-time tour leader for Juche Travel Services, a British-North Korean travel company, and China business consultant for the Australia-China Business Council, where he produces the China Path podcast, another podcaster. He's the author of the forthcoming architecture book, Hotels of Pyongyang. Full disclosure, I provided some advice for the book project and gratefully received a complimentary copy of this fine coffee table book last week. Thanks for joining me and thanks for the book, James.
1: Yeah, thanks, Jacko. I'm a long-time listener of the podcast, so it's great to be a guest on it. Excellent. Uh, Well, how did you get the idea for this book? So I have been leading tours to North Korea um, since about 2012, 2013. And you know, having access of um, you know going to the country frequently, you obviously you know see a lot of the you know amazing architecture there, and you know you become very intrigued by it because a lot of the buildings, particularly the hotels, you only see from the exterior. And when you go there as a tourist, you typically will stay in either the Corio Hotel or the Yangakto Hotel. Particularly um, a few years ago, when tourism was a little less to what it was uh, prior to the Corona outbreak. Um, so I'd always been really curious about the other hotels in Pyongyang because you'll see the the So Sun Hotel, the Chongyong Hotel, and they're quite monumental structures. And I always wanted to find an excuse to to get into them and and have a look around their lobbies and dining halls and explore them to some extent. And um, and I was also concurrently inspired by um, a publisher called Fuel, uh, which produces these really beautiful Soviet architecture books. Um, about Soviet bus stops, about Soviet metro stations. So I kind of got inspired by that and um, I thought, well, what could I do in DPRK? And I thought, you know, as a tourist, you do have a lot of access to hotels when you're there. So I thought framing it around a collection of the hotels in Pyongyang would be a, a good way to document some architecture structures in North Korea.
0: Okay, and why did you choose to limit it to Pyongyang hotels and not hotels outside Pyongyang?
1: Well, I guess it was part budget, part strategy. Um, I think, you know, there's 10 hotels in Pyongyang that foreigners can currently stay at. That's Mm -hmm. Western foreigners. And there are some really fascinating hotels around greater DPRK. Um, you know, there's the Hyangsan Hotel in Monyansan. Yes, there's Are the Ma- kind of pyramid-shaped
0: De- one or ziggurat-shaped one.
1: Well, it's, I, I see that one as kind of the sister structure to the Ryugyong Hotel in Pyongyang. It has that, that similar space shuttle diamond um, pyramid shape. And then you have the Dyeongmyong Hotel in Wonsan, which has its uh, that pool table. Oh, no, sorry, it's a table tennis table in a circular structure that's really fascinating. But I just thought – for this book, we'll, we'll start off with Hotels of Pyongyang. And, you know, if the book's successful and received well in DPRK itself, then, you know, perhaps we can explore the older hotels um, around the rest of the country. Now, who's your anticipated audience? Obviously, I'd say, you know, anyone who follows uh, North Korea. So you know, avid readers of NK News, uh, you know, listeners to your podcast, Jacko. But I think there's such an interest for what DPRK looks like. To people that haven't been there before. And there's a lot of Instagram pages and, and blogs online that tell the story of Pyongyang aesthetics as looking like Wes Anderson sets. You know, when you walk around these hotels, you walk into a dining hall, and just how meticulous and aesthetically everything's designed in such great detail. Um, we just really wanted to find a way to document this to, to show it to a greater audience that's interested in architecture. That's interested in interior design. Um, that's interested in Soviet architecture that doesn't really exist. I think um I think there's a lot of people that have interest in it so far and um yeah really looking forward to getting it out there.
0: Will you be sending a complimentary of the book to uh, director Wes Anderson to see if he wants to make a movie in North Korea one day?
1: Well I I did actually reach out to Wes Anderson mm-hmm. um you know as you expect he's a pretty hard person to get in contact with but I you know I would like to you know have a discussion if there if there was one there but what I'm who I'm really looking forward to receiving a response from are people in North Korea itself. Um, so obviously with the COVID-19, um, embargo on tourists and, you know, anyone going into North Korea at the moment, it's difficult to send anything over there, but I have to providing copies to all the respective hotels that we've documented in Pyongyang itself. Um, because, you know, when you have a look at these hotels, there's, there's only really images from, um, you know, tourists and and a lot of them are just, you know, from Facebook pages and, and, There's been a lot of good work done with North Korean architecture books. There's DPRK Korea Grand Tour by Carl DeKesa. And there's also Inside North Korea by Oliver Wainwright that does document a lot of North Korean architecture really beautifully. Um, But I think just kind of, you know, framing around the hotels is just an interesting concept in itself. Um, But, yeah, really looking forward to Hearing what the uh, the North Koreans feel about the book themselves, as as you would know, they're they're always keen to promote tourism in the country, and you know the ones and tourist area is is still under development, and I'm sure they're they're itching to promote new tourist facilities out there. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they think of it.
0: Did you say that you have sent uh, a copy to each of the hotels, or you're going to?
1: Well, I've I've, I've committed to. Um, it's just because it's it's it's. It's frankly impossible to to ship anything there at the moment, because I don't believe Air Corio is is, is flying from Beijing or from Shenyang to, to Pyongyang at all at the moment.
0: Uh, now, how did you manage to convince North Koreans initially to go along with the project?
1: Well, I think it is a way of showing the country in a, in a neutral light for what it is. I think, you know, talking about North Korea, it's such a polarizing country, and it's it's, there's so many sensitivities that you do have to tiptoe around often when when approaching so many aspects of the country. But I feel with the hotels, you know, the hotels are what they are, um, and you know, you can look at something that's architecturally dated, something that's impressive from a from a design perspective, and I think it just shows a, an objective an objective truth about. One aspect of the country, so I think speaking to KITC representatives and just letting them know that foreigners were really interested in what these hotels looked like, um, and to date there hadn't really been a full documentation of these structures. Um, I think they were quite happy to to get on board and 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 they were quite supportive. But I think with so many things in North Korea, you know, you might have um, a commitment before you depart, and so the commitment was that you know, we would get access to all these hotels and, and we did in the end, mm-hmm. but it was largely thanks to our KRTC guides that were with us. So, um, KRTC so being
0: the uh, the Korea International Travel Company that is the the major conduit through which tourists get into uh, North Korea, right?
1: Yeah, that's correct. Um, and so I I went with the KRTC because that's who my relationship predominantly is. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also Daemung, which is an organization that explores um, friendship relations between countries and the DPRK, and and I believe if I had have gone with them, um, I could have achieved greater access. But but all in all, we did get access to the hotels we wanted to in Pyongyang, but but mainly through um, the persuasive techniques and um, hardworking ethic of our guides. So we would walk into um, a hotel, for instance, would be shooting a, a dining hall and, you know, you have, you know, all the tablecloths are all pink and all the coasters are pink and everything's very meticulous. And then a waitress will walk in and she's wearing the same colored pink jacket. And so I would say to, um, you know, the photographer that I collaborated on this project with Nicole Reed, well, obviously, we have to have this waitress in the photo. And I would ask through the guides if the waitress would like to be in the photo. And I think one of the hurdles for the project was just the modesty of the hotel staff so request for a photo was essentially oh no why would you want a photo of me i'm just some waitress i'll probably spoil the photo and then you know we had the guides translating for us and the guides were saying no you know like they're going to take a beautiful picture of you you'll look great and so you'd be negotiating with these you know waitresses and uh you know pool masters and uh bus boys and and doormen with this waitress in particular, she would start fixing her hair. And so she'd still be saying, Oh no, I can't, you know, do this photo. Why would you possibly, but she's, you know, grooming herself in preparation for the for the photo so it was it, it was an an inevitable yes in most cases, but it just took a lot of persuading just overcoming that North Korean modesty
0: was that also the case with the hotels themselves did you did you have to convince the manager of each hotel one by one?
1: Yeah it was really interesting so some of them were you know very easily um on board a few of them like the Chungwon Sun. And the Haibang Sun required that we stayed there. But that was great for us. So we were scheduled to stay at the Corio. But as it happens there with the KITC managing all the accommodation, there were no extra costs for staying at these hotels. So that gave us a you know greater insight to the hotels, obviously the fact that we could stay there. But I think it also showed some insight that you know these hotels do have their own respective managers. So obviously everything's government run over there, and the KITC do have some type of authority in in managing tourism. Um, and there's also the, the tourism government governmental department. But there is a degree of autonomy, I think, that that we saw that each hotel manager essentially makes the call, um, you know, whether, you know, a foreigner with a huge tripod and a few cameras can can walk around their hotel. Um, And again, this really came down to our persuasive guides, of which one of them was um, Miss Lee, who is the famous guide from the Michael Palin documentary, and she's become somewhat minor celebrity over there.
0: As far as you know, did your guides at any stage put forward a business case? Did they say to any of the hotel managers, look, um, if you allow this project to, to take some good photographs, you might actually get some more business out of it, more customers might come?
1: Yeah, I think I think that was the pitch, generally. It, it just so happens that when we were over there, which was um, April last year, all of the hotels were full. So while we've We have taken these pictures where, you know, you have empty dining halls and you have, you know, empty leisure centers. The hotels were actually at complete full capacity Mm -hmm. due to the influx of Chinese tourists that have um, increased in going to North Korea in the last few years. We did make the case that having a documentation of the hotels would improve tourism to the hotels and i also had a bottle of jamison on me um the whole time Uh if i needed to get greater access but um yeah it just so happened that i didn't really need that and i got to you know enjoy that on the way home (laughs)
0: um now so you you mentioned there that you were there in april uh coincidentally i was there at the same time uh and that the hotels were at full capacity did you have to time your photography Um, You know, how do you make photographs in a hotel that's full uh, without showing any of the guests?
1: Well, I think I think it just comes down to that frenetic pace of being a tourist in North Korea. So so when you're there on those guided tours, you know, they have you, you know, meeting at the at the uh, at the dining hall at 7 a.m. for breakfast and then you're on the bus at eight and then you don't really get back to the hotel until about six or six thirty driving around to all of these respective hotels it was it was perfect um I, I i just read about the author of the hotel at uh, the Soviet metro stations, the photographer needed to wake up at 5am at every morning to make sure that he could have a shot of the subway before there were any commuters there. But we didn't have that problem at all. And just the nature of DPRK tourism just made it really easy to have the hotels, um, to have free reign of the hotels, so to speak.
0: And on average, how long did you have to spend at each hotel to get the shots that you wanted?
1: I would say probably about probably about four or five hours. You know, like there is like it is quite methodical, the process of, of taking these photos. Um, with different lighting under different exposures and just exploring and negotiating and being able to get um, as greater access to the hotel as we could. And I'd say all in all, we probably got about 98% of what we wanted to document. There was a table tennis room at the at the top floor of the Haibangsang Hotel that had this really weird Orange ceiling and green walls, and and for some reason we weren't allowed to take a picture of that. But I think we did get we did get most of the things that we wanted.
0: Yeah, and that leads me to a broader question: the question of permission. You know, were there, you know were there other things in other hotels that you couldn't photograph and you couldn't work out why?
1: Yeah, well, uh, we we couldn't take pictures of any murals of the leaders, which which I felt was strange because you know typically when 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 I've been in country, it's 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 not essentially recommended, but as long as you follow the guidelines of not cropping out the leaders in the shot, that you are permitted to take a picture of those murals. But at the Chungwan Sun Hotel, there's a there's an enormous mural of Kim Il-sung and um Kim Jong il, I think at Mount Pektu. And um and it's a stunning image that's just ginormous, but but I think sometimes the, the hotel manager might err on caution saying that well maybe we don't really know fully about what you're going to use this image for for your project you know we do have a you know a big tripod and you know like a like a heavy duty uh photography setup so i think sometimes the manager if they don't really know 100 percent what you're doing the taking the photography for then they might just err on the side of caution and and say no
0: just a question there, about those murals that you weren't allowed to photograph is that Um, Would a a tourist staying in that hotel also be forbidden from taking a photograph of the same mural or is it uh, just that you you were using professional uh, equipment and it was a bit different?
1: Yeah I'd, yeah, I'd say just the fact that we had such a professional setup, mm-hmm. um, but, but typically, um, yeah, foreigners can take pictures of those murals and pictures of the leaders, you know, providing they, they don't crop the image at all.
0: There w- there are, uh, I can think of two cases. Last year, we went to the Munsu uh, Water Park in Pyongyang, uh, where there is a statue of Kim Jong-il standing on a fake beach. Yeah, And you cannot, there's actually two uh, people dressed in black, one on the ground floor, one up on the the fir- first floor uh in australian terms
1: and they're there to
0: forbid people from taking a photograph of of that statue of kim jong-il
1: yeah it's so strange isn't it yeah you know it's it's, it's right when you walk in there and it's yeah. you know it's a great statue i guess you'd call it and they've even got real sand there but I, I don't really know why they say no to some of those things because it is it is a bit of a tease so to speak yeah, um exactly. i know there's
0: and there was, a, there was also you- a restaurant that I went to uh, which had a very large photograph of Kim Jong-il wearing, uh, I think, just a, a, a white sort of a T-shirt uh, and a chef's hat. And he's cooking something. Yeah. Uh, and there's a woman standing there at all times to make sure that no one photographs that thing. And yet, if you look on the internet, that photograph is there. You know, I mean, it, it's available.
1: Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Have, have you been to the Mire Riding Club? No, Never. So the Mirai Riding Club has um so that's where you can go and you can do horse riding. Um so they have an an outdoor track and they also have an indoor uh course where I guess you can, you know, they, they, they can practice equestrian or things like that. And then there's a separate building um, that has um, photography of Kim Jong-un and Kim Jong-il um, riding horses together, when Kim Jong-un is actually quite quite young. Um, and so you're permitted to go into that room and have a look at those photos, um, but you're, you're not allowed to take a camera in there and document it yourself.
0: Now, there are not many photographs of actual guest rooms in your book. Was that a choice you made?
1: Yeah, well, we just thought we wanted to document the public spaces of the hotels, just because I think if we started to taking pictures of the guest rooms. There's so many tiers of classes of those rooms. And that I think if if we show the economy rooms that I'd also wanna show the first-class rooms as well, and I think some of the hotels are quite sensitive about that as well, but but maybe if we have the chance to, you know, document some more hotels in the future, I would explore you know, taking some pictures of rooms as well
0: Now, did you have to be careful about what you said in, in the book or what you photographed for fear that you might not be allowed back to do more work?
1: Yeah, well I, look, I did want to be respectful and I think, you know, when you're leading tours there, you, you do get a gauge of the way North Koreans like to talk about their country. As I said I, I, I do want this book to be as, as neutral as possible, just focusing on the structures. So we have a few fantastic essays that um, you recommended authors for, Jaco. We have a, a great essay by Yelena um, yes. talking about um the relationship between the the Pyongyang hotels and and how they relate to to greater soviet architecture yeah. so i think there's a lot to talk about with the hotels but i think you know people may say some things that may be deemed inoffensive by north koreans mm-hmm. anecdotally about the hotels and and i just thought that wasn't really what our project was about and didn't really kind of add to the actual images of the, photo, of the of the book where we wanted the photos to essentially kind of tell the stories themselves
0: Now in your book, you only show one of the hotel information boards that lets you see what facilities are on each floor of the hotel, and that 's the one at the Herrbung Sun Hotel uh, I personally I love studying those for some reason I just find them fun to look at and the, the one at the Herrrebung Sun yeah. is cool because you can push buttons and different sections light up. but why did you only show one of those hotel information boards personally, I would have liked to have had uh, one for each hotel and or uh, a sort of a a stat sheet for each hotel you know uh, just presented in a a tabular format number of floors number of rooms uh, these are the restaurants these are the other facilities that's the number of shops that kind of thing
1: well i I don't think they all have them so clearly as the does i know that i know that others do have have similar devices like that and and they are really cool to play around with but I don't think we saw them as prominently as we did at the Haibang Sun, but there were a couple that we didn't choose to include. Um, but I think the one of the Haibang Suns is kind of quite striking in, in, in its retro feel, so we kind of felt that – that just represented, you know, that function for, for all of the hotels in general. But
0: also, there were not many views of the cityscape outside the hotels, whether from the rotating restaurant up top or lower down. In fact, I could only find two such photographs, one of the Ryangang Hotel and the Rangnang Hotel. Uh, I, I, personally, I, if I were doing that, I would have used more of the, the shots of the you know what it looked like outside the hotel. You chose not to do that. Why did you do that?
1: Uh, well, s- s- some of them are just kind of quite difficult to get a, to get a- Really good position away from the hotel. So if you think of the the, the Hotel, which has this amazing, you know, it looks like a, a James Bond villains lair. It it, it sits up on Sosun Hill there. But we found that one so difficult to photograph because it's even though it's up on a prominent position on top of a hill. There's no place down below where you can get a a freestanding position to take a photo of that hotel because there's a lot of traffic and there's a lot of busy roads there. So we did try and get more of a, of a setback exterior shot for that hotel in particular, but it was just too difficult with, with traffic. And I, I, again, I think when it's a maybe with the guides, they, they might just err on the side of caution yep. and, and, and might just, uh, point you towards other solutions.
0: So tell me about the particular aesthetics of the different hotels. Do you have a favorite?
1: Um, so I had never stayed in the Chung Sun Hotel before. Have you? Have you ever stayed there, Jacko? No, I've
0: never. I've never even uh, been outside it.
1: I don't think. So, so it's just next to the Chung Sun Health Complex, um, which is also right near the the ice rink there, um, just right in the centre of town. So I'd never stayed there before, and I and I felt it was. Um, yeah, I really liked it because I I see these hotels as, you know, some of them have been renovated quite extensively in the last five to eight years or so. You know if you think about the koryo hotel which which was my previous favorite I, I i did really like that that soviet that soviet brutalist feel of the of the lobby interior but i think since it's been renovated they do seem to renovate them with this beige marble which aesthetically isn't to my taste as much as what it previously looked like but i think the chung sun still has this really nice retro feel to it it has a lot of space um, the rooms have that traditional uh korean carpet heating i just had a really interesting experience there where i i i had to get a um i had to get a bottle of water at at 4am in the morning and i remember just going down to the lobby and it was completely empty and i needed to wake the security guard to give me a a, a bottle of water just the uh the, the the space of the lobby and you could just look out and see the ice rink and and it just so happens that there was a military conference when we were in town that week and there were just sort of military vehicles that were just parked outside the ice rink and it was and it was four a.m. it was you know there was nothing going on in the street outside and it was just this really interesting feeling of you know uh, knowing how. Um, special Pyongyang is as a city, and and I felt I just had a really nice moment in the Changwon Sun. So so that's a special one for, for sure.
0: Now you've uh, you've got ten working hotels in the book, and then of course you've got the Ryugyong Hotel, which is quite famous or infamous. Um, you've only got external shots of the Ryugyong Hotel from a distance at night time, showing uh, the the big LED display. Did you ask about going inside?
1: Yeah, we did. We did. I so I know that uh, Koryo Tours has has documented some of the construction images there from a few years ago. And I know that the area around that hotel is is currently being renovated as one of the new, the new leisure areas of Pyongyang, where there's going to be a lot of shops and, and restaurants. But I think there's just not really much to photograph inside that hotel. Um, and I guess it's still a work in progress if you speak to Koreans about it. Um, but I don't think there's any real deadlines or there's any real ambition for what the hotel itself, for what the purpose of the hotel itself will be. Um, but I know that that surrounding area is going to be one of the one of the new areas of Pyongyang, kind of similar to Ryongmyong Street and and, and Mire Street.
0: So let's go through some of the ten hotels where foreigners can stay and what sets them apart. Uh, do you want to start with the first one you've ever stayed at?
1: Yeah. So well, the first one for me was the Koryo, which I guess is is the, the, the posh hotel of Pyongyang, I guess you would say. It's, it's, it's renowned as the, the diplomatic hotel. What, what I really love about the choreo, um I'm, I'm a big fan of the revolving restaurant. I've definitely had a lot of really interesting conversations with, uh, with Koreans at the top of uh, the Koryo Hotel revolving restaurant. But my favorite, the Corio has to be the karaoke room in the basement. Have you, have you been there before, Jacko? Oh,
0: I've never been let near the Corio Hotel.
1: Oh right, okay. Well, if you go, I, I really recommend checking out the the karaoke room. It's it's so frozen in time. It it just looks like it's it's so. I mean, you can't describe it in any other way than groovy. Uh, it just has these '70s beads and you know all these like four different types of tiling on the floor and this real retro furniture. And um, that's definitely one of my favorite rooms because I think. At some point, someone's created this room. So it's not really attributed to any designer and the hotels themselves aren't really attributed to architects, but someone has come along and just been able to express themselves so creatively and so freely in the way that they've designed these rooms. And I think that's something really rare in North Korea because things do tend to be quite uniform, um, especially how they're presented for foreigners. I think that the karaoke room at the Korea hotel is just, it's just madness with how, uh, how, how chaotic the design is, but it's really fascinating. And and I think it's just representative of uh, how, how creativity can be expressed in North Korea.
0: Most tourists at some stage have have probably stayed at the Yangakta Hotel, so there's probably not much that could be said about that. But what about the Rangnang Hotel, south of the Taedong River? I don't know anyone who stayed there before, so tell us a bit about the Rangnang Hotel.
1: Yes, so the Rangnang Hotel is the only hotel in East Pyongyang, I think, and it's quite often occupied by Chinese tourists, um, and I think Chinese tourists actually can occupy it for, for quite a long period of time, so for people doing business there. Chinese tourists may stay there for for a month or two. Um, And I guess the the thing about the Rangnang Hotel is that it has um, a a German-themed beer garden outside that you have to actually make a booking to. So we're actually unable to uh, document that as that was being occupied as we were there. I haven't stayed there myself, but I think it's kind of one of the one of the lesser known hotels of Pyongyang. Yeah,
0: it is certainly one of the lesser known uh, Now I'm reading uh, and uh, you're reading the book by Monique Masias, uh, who lived there in Pyongyang for 16 years. And when she was a university student, she lived at the San Hotel. This was in uh, the early 1990s, and she said that the Sun Hotel was where uh, a lot of the foreign students from from uh, China and Syria and other countries were living uh, is it still a, a place where there's like long term you know students living there almost like a dormitory at Haebungsung
1: I'm, I'm I'm not too sure I, I know the Haebungsung is the oldest hotel um in Pyongyang so it was it was opened in 48, and then it was rebuilt in, in 1961 post-war. It's in a great location in town. So, like, once you exit the Heibang Sun, you've got the Rodong Shimong building right next to you. But in terms of long-term dormitories, I'm, I'm not really too sure.
0: She also mentioned in her book that there was the uh, the dance floor at the Changgwang Sung Hotel where they would regularly go on weekends dancing. Is there is it still known as a dance venue?
1: I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure on the dance scene or the club scene that that well in in Pyongyang. But look, a lot of these hotels are serviced by um, North Koreans themselves. So uh, when you think of of the local shops there in the hotels, um, particularly the Koryo Hotel has um, a door that leads out onto the street that's for locals only. So, locals that do have access to foreign currency often come into the hotels because they do have a lot of foreign imported goods.
0: What's the uh, average price for a single room in in one of
1: these hotels? Well, because you do go to these hotels as part of a package, Mm. I'm not really sure on the price themselves because all of the hotels are managed generally by... The KITC, but if you do go to something like the Hyang Sun Hotel in um, in Mount Yang, it's considered a six star hotel. I'm not I'm not really sure how they how they come up with the star ratings, but I know that that one is up to a six. It's considered quite deluxe, so I think a room there can be something you know in excess of 200 euros. So it does get very expensive, and and it does kind of make you think about you know, who's actually staying in a hotel on Mount Myonyang for for 200 euros. I think it is maybe about 50 US dollars a night or something roughly like that. But But it's hard to actually determine because you don't really book with the hotel yourself. You book with the KITC that that provide a package that's all-inclusive with with transport and and inter-country travel as well. So the the KITC,
0: they don't usually give a breakdown showing what the room is and what the driver is and that kind of thing? It
1: is available, but they typically don't give it to you as a tourist.
0: Are there different uh, classes of hotels in Pyongyang?
1: Yes, well, the Koryo and the Yanggakto, um are considered deluxe hotels. And then I think the next level, uh, the hotels that were built during the youth games, so that would be the Cheongyong the Sosan Hotel, and um, it might be the Ryanggang as well. And I think, I'm not sure what the term they use. I think it might be premium so you generally have deluxe is the Koryo and the Yanggakta, and then there's the next range down um, generally with the other ones.
0: Now, is it fair to say that most visitors to North Korea, and certainly all tourists, are not allowed to leave their hotels without being accompanied by their guides and the rest of their tour groups? So that usually means spending the whole evening inside the hotel from the end of the last event of the day until after breakfast the following morning?
1: Yeah, that's true. But I I, I don't see it as a a, a a type of captivity. I see it as a really good time to... To, to spend a lot of time with your guides so the guides um, will typically stay at the hotel with you um, and they'll generally be um, a side of the hotel that's reserved for koreans and your your guides will stay there with you and so if you check into the hotel after a you know busy day of checking out tourist sites um you know you'll have a few hours to to have a drink with the local guides and a lot of these bars a lot of the hotels do have a lot of bars and entertainment facilities where you really do get to you know break the ice with your local guides just you know discussing you know, what their lives are like and, you know, what type of things they're into and, you know, what their career progression is, what dating is like for them. So I think, you know, what I really like about the hotels is that in my time there, I've really had a lot of time to 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 flesh out, you know, meaningful relationships with Koreans and just, you know, a learn – you know, learn a lot about their their culture and society. Apart from the
0: bars, how else can people entertain themselves in these
1: hotels? There's leisure facilities like pools. Um, you know, the Yangakdo has a bowling alley. Um, the SoSun Hotel has, you know the most amazing karaoke facility. So we we, we believe we've documented that really well in the book. So that's recently been renovated. So, you know, as you'd know, you know, Koreans are not shy to sing a number or two um, in the karaoke hall. So, yeah, there's definitely lots to do in the evening in the hotels.
0: Is the Young Doctor Hotel the only one with gambling facilities in it?
1: Um, I believe it is, Uh, although I think think there may be something at the Sosun Hotel. I don't think it's run by the same. Same Macau enterprise mm. that runs the young So, as you'd know that the, the actual casino facilities of the young actor hotel are completely separate yeah and so with, with Koreans they actually can't walk in there themselves so that's strictly for foreigners only And there, there does seem to be a very strange agreement in the in the management of that facility where where foreigners can enter and Koreans can't
0: yeah and you mentioned in the book that the uh, the casino at the young actor hotel offers Wi-Fi That was working when I was there last April, uh, albeit a little patchy, sometimes on, sometimes very slow, sometimes not working too well. Um, But but not well advertised do you imagine that it would it, it's it's something that will last I mean surely once people know that there's Wi-Fi they would all uh, jam down there and uh, and try to get some of it
1: look I think there's just a gap between you know sometimes what the the hotels can promote and 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 and, and just knowing how to promote it so obviously Wi-Fi is Wi-Fi is so essential for for foreigners and it does seem like you know, if you go to the Potonggang Hotel, you do really need to ask about it. And, you know, you have to kind of, you know, get them to set you up with a link SIM card. and But you do really need to explore that. But I think generally in North Korea, the country can do so much more to market itself. You know, just thinking about these hotels, I know that NK News has you know, made some really good T-shirts of, uh, you know, like the Potonggang Hotel and and the city of Wonsan, and and I think that's just a gap between how North Korea markets itself. So, you know, North Korea will often market itself with maybe there's some postcards, or maybe there's some ginseng, or maybe there's some traditional dolls, but in terms of the, the, the taste that Western tourists have, you know, there can often be a little bit of a gap, but hopefully that's an opportunity they can uh, explore in the future.
0: You mentioned the Potanggang Hotel. That has a tennis court. Have you ever seen anyone use it? No, I haven't. No, no. Uh, and Also, every hotel, of course, has uh, different shops. What are the different kinds of shops that, that uh, they have? Are there any hotels that sell things that other hotels do not? I remember when I was there uh, three years ago um, during the uh, the marathon season, um, some people staying in my group at the Young were desperate to buy a North Korean-themed uh, tracksuit. And the only place selling it was at the Sosan Hotel. And we had to make a special trip out there one evening to the Sosan Hotel oh, right. to buy the tracksuit that wasn't for sale anywhere else.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, like as you know, all the hotels have, have bookstores and the bookstores are quite... Um, I guess, to some degree, they're uniform in terms of they, you know, like they all seem to come from the same foreign language bookshops that have uh, a lot of literature by the leaders, um, a lot of similar, um, you know, tourist paraphernalia about the hotels. But but what I find is when you go to the lesser visited hotels, so if you go to something like the Haibang Hotel or um, maybe the Sosun Hotel, those bookstores really have a lot of gold of artifacts so to speak from you know maybe 80s or 90s that haven't been sold yet so they have a lot of you know interesting tourist journals of the country um a lot of you know cookbooks and and different things you probably won't find at the at the corio or young that have you know so much of a higher turnover
0: i must ask you to look for some titles that i'm trying to get a hold of next time you go there to the to the hebang sun
1: sure yeah what are you after uh yeah
0: i'll, I'll follow that up after the interview um are the rooms for the the local tour guides the same as far as you know? Do they have the same sort of facilities? And and more importantly, do they have the same TV channels?
1: I don't think they have the same TV channels. So we do have international news stations um, when we're staying, um, particularly um, in the deluxe hotels like the Corio and the Yangakto. So we'll have BBC, um, Russia Today, Al Jazeera, um, but that's definitely not received in uh, the local rooms. I've obviously never been inside one of the local rooms, but I think they do tend to to share rooms together where foreigners typically have their own separate room. I think all the Koreans will uh, bunk together. Now,
0: the offering of TV channels seems to vary from hotel to hotel. Do you know anything about how it's decided which TV channels the tourists get to see at, at any particular hotel?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. So this is one of these things where, you know, the the hotel management seem to have some autonomy to make their own decisions. So for something like the Potongang Hotel, I would assume that they would have, you know, greater provision for Japanese channels, considering that's more part of their clientele. But to me, it does also seem quite inconsistent. I mean, maybe it's about the feed and, and what capacity each hotel satellite has to receive each station.
0: And there used to be a Taedonggang hotel, one of the oldest ones. I think it was from uh, the 1950s. It was a, a wooden hotel that burnt down in 1999 and has been and still is perpetually under reconstruction as a five-star hotel. I was looking around on the internet last night and I found a, a report in the uh, DPRK Business Monthly of November 2012 that stated quite uh, boldly that the Taedonggang would open the following year now that's already seven years ago have you heard anything about the Taedonggang hotel and have you ever seen the construction site do you know how it's going
1: no do you know where it's located is it it's not next to the choreo is it
0: I confess that I don't know exactly where it is uh, I know it's somewhere downtown near uh, the Pyongyang station but I, I don't know exactly
1: the, the, yeah there is a construction site next to um, the choreo that's been um under development for quite a long period of time. Look, I guess a lot of these cases kind of similar to the Ryugong Hotel is that it comes down to investment, um, particularly when that investment is foreign. So whether it be from um, a mobile phone provider in Egypt or whether it's from a, a Chinese investment firm, I think once that investment runs dry, there's no local investment to kind of take its place. I do know that there's also a few local hotels that I would love to go into in Pyongyang, but I think they're Yeah, they're they're specifically only for uh, local Korean travelers.
0: Now, the the, the Taedonggang Hotel, the one that I said burnt down in 99, that used to also have uh, located within it uh, a trading company owned by Japanese Koreans. Uh, And I'm wondering, in your visits to all the hotels to photograph this book, did you see any companies or businesses that were headquartered within the hotels?
1: The Sosun Hotel, uh, no, actually the Chongyong Hotel, the youth hotel, has the offices for Air China that are apparently still active. But look, I only really saw uh, the, the Air China logo insignia on on the glass door. I'm just trying to think if there's other businesses. So, I mean, the the, the general answer is no, but it does seem that, you know, agreements can be struck up. Between foreign enterprises and the hotels, should there be any interest? But um, I, I would say that's on more of a hotel to hotel basis.
0: Mm, okay, so you you never saw what appeared to be like a Japanese Korean outfit there, you know, a large trading company staffed by multiple people.
1: Not explicitly, but I but I think I think potentially the there's a restaurant in the Koreo that may be Japanese owned, and and the the, the Pyongyang hotel itself is actually uh, a home for the Korean diaspora in, in Japan, the... Um
0: the Chongyun or the Chosensoren. Yeah. I should also point
1: out that the uh, the Pyongyang Hotel
0: was the... Uh, home and office location for the late Michael Hay, who uh, was on this podcast um, a year ago. Uh, I don't know, listeners may or may not be aware that uh, Michael Hay passed away a month ago here in Seoul, but uh, for 12 years, from 2004 till 2016, he operated the only foreign run uh, law firm in uh, Pyongyang from his home office on the third floor of the Pyongyang Hotel. Some of his possessions, he, including his kilt, he was a Scotsman, uh, may still be there actually. Uh, in the Pyongyang Hotel, so there there was at least one small office there. Um, Now let's uh, talk about guest houses, because they're not featured in your book, but some foreign NGOs, when they visit North Korea, they're made to stay in the guest houses, because they're effectively told that there is no room at the inn for the likes of them. Right, So uh, when uh, uh, groups involving Americans or groups involving diplomats visit North Korea, they're told you can't stay in a hotel. We've going to put you in uh, and it's often it's the Koba Sang guest house. Yeah, the Kobasung yep. guest house. Uh, have you been there?
1: I haven't been there, and I did request if we could go there, and that was up in the air um, for quite some time. Um, and I think just with the KITC channel that we had, and we couldn't get access this time but I think, you know, the organization Daemon that I mentioned at the beginning, that that, that friendship organization that liaises typically with uh, media firms, and I think they help facilitate journalists when they come to North Korea, would have had greater access to that. But um, no, I personally haven't been there.
0: Yeah, that would be an interesting one because there's so many people who've stayed there over the decades. Uh, there's also the, the Bek Hwa Won guest guesthouse, about which I know nothing. Uh, and then the Chung Suwon Palace, which is a guesthouse a little bit to the northeast of Pyongyang. Uh where Cambodia's King Sihanouk stayed off and on from 1974 to 1991. I don't know if that's in use um, as a public guest house anymore or not, or if it's a uh, you know, simply one of the houses for Kim Jong Un. I'm not sure, but it, it's anyway. It's, it maybe put that down on the list for next
1: time. Sure, sure. Yeah, it sounds fascinating.
0: Now, in in North Korea, everyone is expected to participate in uh, group life, revolutionary life, and that involves uh, regular study sessions and ideological uh, reinforcement sessions. Um, are there facilities for that inside hotels that you've walked past or seen?
1: I think there. I, I, I think there there may be. Um, again. You know, the way a lot of these hotels are designed, there's a Korean section of the hotel and that there's a foreign section of the hotel. So if you think of the the Corio Hotel, there's even two separate elevator sections where there's an elevator for the foreign side, the foreign visitor side of the hotel, and there's an elevator that's reserved um, for the Koreans. So I think that, as I said, a lot of locals do have access to these hotels and they do play a role in in local life um, as much as they do for for traveling foreigners. Um, But I think that means that, you know, we have less access to those sides of those hotels. So I, I, I'm none the wiser as to as to what's really happening in those rooms. But I think, you know, study sessions are such a prominent part of North Korean life. And with guides spending, you know, weeks or months on end in those hotels, uh, especially during the summer season, while there's so many foreigners in DPRK, um, I'm sure they do have provision for those study sessions for, for locals. There's
0: also separate dining facilities for uh, for locals. Um, sometimes the guide, well often the guides will uh, go off and, and, and eat separately in a different room. Did you get to, yeah. t- to photograph any of those separate dining facilities or are the ones that you photographed the ones that uh, foreigners are allowed to go to?
1: Yeah, I think I think whenever they can separate them, they do. Um, so the, 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 the choreo has essentially two dining halls that are on top of each other. You know, foreigners can dine at the one on the ground level, which is typically used um, for Koreans. But I think it's just more a question of capacity. I think when they have the option to separate Koreans and foreigners they will do so but then I think during the high season when there's so many tourists there's not really much they can do about it and and and, and you you can mingle from time to time particularly with the guides who might join you for, for breakfast or dinner now,
0: did you have to postpone the release of this book due to the COVID-19 outbreak
1: yeah it's been really difficult because I, you know we've been spending um, you know the last few months uh, you know designing the book um, you know writing in the book and and I was all ready to go two weeks ago ago um, because um, I'm looking at launching a a crowdfunding pre-sale for supporters of the book and I was all ready to go on Monday last week. And I just thought, you know, with all the unpredictability and, and turmoil of COVID nineteen, I, I think it's a tough ask um, to ask people to contribute to a, a crowdfunding for a book just at this time, at the moment. Also for shipping, uh, I know it's, you know, this is a book that I'm kind of, you know, self publishing myself, and I'll be distributing around the world. You know, shipping to Spain and Italy is quite challenging at the moment. So hopefully the situation improves as as soon as possible. Um, but you know, look, if I can't have it out in the next few months, um, you know, it'd be great to get it out around Christmas time as well. Um, But yeah, it's a shame because it's all ready to go. And, you know, I'd like people to have it sooner rather than later. But I guess hopefully once we return to some type of uh, normality with uh, COVID-19 I'll be able to get the book out there as soon as possible
0: I imagine also it's it's been a big uh, uh, financial layout for you too and it makes it difficult for you if you have to to delay the recouping of those costs
1: yeah definitely yeah yeah but look you know the books are still here and like we're really happy with them and you know we've made uh, t-shirts and tote bags and, and and drink coasters so so yeah really keen to get it out there you know when available
0: very nice tote bag that you sent me with that book too thanks for that I, it's uh, it's great for uh, shopping oh yeah yeah you
1: can fit a lot in there for sure <laughs> yeah
0: now uh, do you hope that the book will ultimately be sold in pyongyang one day
1: i would love to have it at the foreign language bookstore i i haven't really seen any foreign produced books there before just thinking off the top of my head um, but look i'm really open to collaborating um you know with locals in pyongyang particularly once you know, some type of normal tourism system, you know, get started again. At, at the moment, I just want to, to send the book over there so um, our friends at KITC can, can get a look at it.
0: And do you have Instagram and Facebook pages where people can get a sneak preview of the book?
1: Yeah, so the so the home of the book is is the Instagram page, which is the same handle as the Facebook page, which is hotel um at Hotels of North Korea. And the, the thing about that is that we, we originally wanted to call the book Hotels of North Korea, and when I went to my contacts um at the KITC in Beijing uh, to suggest that title, they said, Oh, we're not really comfortable at the term North Korea. How about, how about say Democratic People's Republic of Korea? And I said, Oh, well, I mean, the hotel is for a foreign audience. So, Hotels of Pyongyang was the compromised title for this release. I think if we have the handle at Hotels of North Korea on Instagram and Facebook, um, you know, that hopefully encourages us to continue with uh, future releases going forward.
0: Right. Okay. So, people should go and check
1: those uh, pages out.
0: That about wraps it up. Have you got any final comments or observations for us, James?
1: Not particularly, Jack. I'm just, you know, it's such a difficult time, you know, worldwide with tourism. And I know that the the border has been shut, um, I think, since February in DPRK. And I know how much the local KITC company does put into tourism in the country, um, and particularly in the last few years. You know, it's been really heartening to see tourism strike up again, um, which I think is a really positive thing for the country. So hopefully once the coronavirus situation improves, a lot more people will have the opportunity to, to engage with North Korea on a more personal level by going over there. Are you in
0: regular contact with your KITC people?
1: Yeah, in Beijing I am, um, but I think it's been really difficult for them as well, um, essentially self-quarantining themselves due to the coronavirus.
0: Yeah, it, it's certainly something that uh, it shows no sign of uh, um, of resolving itself anytime soon. It's not like uh, the Ebola, vi- uh, Ebola virus crisis of uh, several years ago. This could take uh, many, mm. many, many months. Yeah, yeah. Uh, still, I wish you all uh, the best with the book project. And uh, I thank you for coming on the podcast today. James cullen Excellent. Thanks, Jacko. Ladies and gentlemen, that wraps it up for today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and also consider buying a subscription to nknews.org where you will find the best and most up-to-date specialist journalism on all matters related to North Korea. Our thanks, as always, to James Fretwell and Chad O'Carroll for facilitating the podcast and to Arius Dare, our post-recording producer genius who cuts out all the extraneous noises, awkward silences, bodily functions, etc. Costs involved in the production of this podcast were partially funded by the Uni Korea Fund, for which we are extremely grateful.